we love that. That brings joy to us. That back and forth. That just, you know, that's just what we like. So, you want to play that game? We can play that game. It's cool. You know, it's it's all it's all on in between the lines. Like we're we're competing for something huge. Like so, we're not. You know, it's never personal. I don't care who I'm talking to. It's just a person right here, and I'm just gonna say what I feel, and I'm gonna do what I feel too. And that's what they're gonna do. And we appreciate. Like you know, if you you bring it and we we on that, that's cool. But you know, what we look for that's what you saw happen. You saw ain't no running in the hill, man. We climb up the chimney. Yeah, for sure. We ain't ducking no fun, smoke, man. man. We're going to let everybody know we're here. We're going to play hard, trying to get a win. And if you don't like it, oh well. And you might as well bring it, so. You're going to cry what the baby's going to do. I'm done with all that bluffing on the court because them guys do a lot of bluffing, so, you know. I'm from the bluff city, man. We don't do no bluffing, man. Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the No Bluffing Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ingram, and I got some very, very bad news for y'all today. Uh, we recorded an hour and a half podcast, and for whatever reason, technical difficulties hit us again. Um, as y'all know, about two weeks ago, we got hit with some pretty bad difficulties that we couldn't even post the podcast, and today those issues returned again. But instead of not uploading a full upload today, or uploading a full podcast today, what I decided to do was just basically just cut out all of my part because today was basically my issue for whatever reason. And so what I do is kind of just hop in here uh, during the podcast and let y'all know what the topic is at this point so that you'll have a point of reference of what's being talked about. And uh, you just won't have my input today. Um, I know probably a lot of people listening is like, okay, I'm glad. So he'll shut up. Uh, but no, in all seriousness, we're going to try to get this taken care of because, you know, want to give y'all everything that we got and today was a really really good episode so we didn't want to miss out on uploading it and uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna work this thing through we're gonna work out the kinks and uh we appreciate y'all support as always listening uh to everything that we put out supporting the content and uh yeah we'll figure this out so so if you don't hear Luke's voice today he is out uh but we do have a special guest for y'all so if you're part of Grizz Twitter then you probably already have been in one of the Grizz spaces at post game and you heard this man speak um, pretty much every post game. He's on there giving some good takes. And uh, we wanted to make sure that we brought him in. Um, as a six man today, we're having Luke out because, you know, we always want to bring y'all great content. And this gentleman um, definitely has that when it comes to basketball. He has a different outlook on the game. He looks at it from a different prism. And uh, we always appreciate his takes. We always appreciate his tweets and things like that. So, for the first time, we want to welcome Mr. Desmond Spears to the No Bluffing Podcast. And, uh, yeah, as soon as Nicole is done with the news, you will hear them talk about our first topic. All right, so to start things off, there's something interesting going on with the Heat and their naming for the arena. So, you know, about a month and a half, maybe a month ago, I said that uh, FTX, which was the cryptocurrency that sponsored the name for the Heat Arena, had just completely collapsed and fell apart. Their CEO went to jail in another country. So Miami-Dade County, who owns the arena for the Heat, they they just backed out. They were like, we don't want nothing to do with y'all. So apparently they can't find anyone to sponsor the arena for naming rights. So now it's just named the Miami-Dade 
arena because they can't find anyone to sponsor. I mean, yeah, I'm sure at some point, maybe a couple years down the line, they probably get somebody. I remember it really was just a rumor. But I remember it was a rumor going, actually, they were going to get Pornhub to sponsor. I was like, bro, it's the no way earth that they was gonna prove that to where people all kinds of people kids ages uh i'll say that i mean that chris it prove. is miami put nothing past them it yeah, is miami geez. it's florida imagine, imagine the grid is going down to play now, that's crazy I, you know what it would it's be fitting a- it's a lot weirder things that have happened. You know, the truth is stranger than fiction. So it's a lot weirder things that's happened since 2020. <laughs> 2016, really? Yeah, that's crazy. Got a point. But uh, good luck to the Heat um, trying to find someone to sponsor them. They've tried, and it just hasn't worked. So the county just literally went with the county name, Miami-Dade, since they own it. Uh, so now we got... The Spurs set the attendance record for the NBA with 68,323 sold out the Alamo Dome for their 50th anniversary. Now, this game, they hadn't played in the Alamo Dome in like 20 years, and they sold it out. So, congratulations to them. I mean, I know that that win, well, that loss was kind of bad. Golden State really blew them out. But I like the uniforms. I like those Fiesta uniforms. Happy they brought them back for that. Uh, congratulations to the Spurs. I'm happy to see him in the Dome again. Look like an advertisement for a football team to come through San Antonio to me. Mm. That's what it looked like. It'll be a lot better ace than uh, basketball, I'll be honest. I, it's no way I could go to It looked like, like a Final Four arena, the way that they had it set up. It was given like Final Four college basketball. It wasn't given NBA yep. at all. Well, Kanye West was horrible. The court looked nice. The suites were horrible, though. I looked at some of the pictures people had, the views. It was, it, they looked like ants. Like, you couldn't see the court. Mm-mm. Wait, like, in, yeah, yeah, I'm not a fan. But, but like you said, for the attendance, I don't know what that is. But, like you said, there's a good point. Maybe a football team hit it at the same time. Maybe something good come out of it. So, now we get into the interesting stuff. We have another fine, Andre Iguodala. Find 25K for directing inappropriate language towards game officials and throwing the ball into the spectator stands versus the Suns. What's up with these folks? Why, why are these players throwing balls? What is going on? That's like the fourth time uh, in two weeks. I'm just I, being like, what else am I supposed to call them? It's a ball. Why, why are they throwing balls? If, what's going on? Excuse my French. Why? I don't know. I mean, you know what? Against the Pacers, Jaron, he slapped, but like he caught a tick because that ball could have went anywhere, right? So I mean, they just get frustrated and Rodman kicked the camera. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm used to watching Oakley and Mason them. Like I grew mm-hmm. up watching them. So seeing somebody throw a ball in the stands, I'm like, catch it and get an autograph. Big deal. <laughs> That's my thing. You're not paying attention. I, like, I, I can see. I can see if you get hurt. Paying attention. I get it. But that's his second time getting fined in the well, last couple weeks. Eh? Watch the game. Yes. Right. I believe so. Yes. He's realizing. I think his first fine was like 13000 and then this one was twenty five. He realized in the sunset. 
This is my question. Was he on the bench? He was playing against okay. the Suns. Oh, yeah. Okay, you did say he was coming back. You right. My bad. All right. Yeah, that yeah. was his first game back, and he throwing balls into the stands at fans and stuff. Like, what is going on in this man's brain? Is he chemically Jeez. unbalanced? He may have seen wrong. He made he had to play. Yeah. And check. Well, speaking of earning checks, the NBA is earning theirs because they put out some more fines. So the Houston Rockets and the Kings got into a huge brawl. And Jalen Green and Jayshon Tate have both been suspended one game without pay um, for coming off of the bench, which before I even get into these fines, it's wild to me because none of the Rockets coaches tried to stop their players from getting off the bench. So now you have your most valuable player suspended for one game because you don't want to take responsibility and be a coach. That's wild to me. Nobody's tried to stop Jalen. And of course, he's going to jump in because he has his team's back. That's what he's supposed to do as a teammate. So, of course, he's going to jump in. So that was kind of that just rubbed me the wrong way a little bit. Like the coaches literally just sat there on the bench and did nothing. Nothing. Uh, if you say is agree is culture. That's all I got on that. I my, my take on it is if you listen to Jokic and you listen to Anthony Edwards, the people on the bench that's on the coach's staff ain't doing much of nothing anyway because they playing through the wrong people. So it's true. I mean, if you like, and then you know when they asked Aaron Gordon, they put the mic in his face the other day. What did he say in the locker room? Like, ain't nothing changed around here. It's I mean, they kids. They got a team full of kids and they you know running wild, running up. The offense reflects exactly why they jumped off their bench. It's, it's wild, it's chaotic, and they're going to do what they do. This is what kids would do. They're just young, man. And they, like Eric, you can see the look on Eric Gordon's face when they asked him that question in the locker room the other day. He was there like, yeah, I'm still here, basically. Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Like, this is what it Somebody is. Somebody come get me. Not for a first round pick, it ain't going to happen. But the. The NBA, y'all, they making their money off of this altercation because they done find Garrison Matthews $35,000 for initiating the whole altercation when he was um, taunting Malik Monk. And then they also find Monk $25K for continuing the altercation and taunting him back. And then Tariq Eason was fined $30,000 for escalating the altercation and making contact with a game official. He hit one of the officials. That's called Somehow making an example. Way. Yeah, they made an so, example. It's like that's just that's and all of this is supposed to be going to some some charity BS or something, according to the league. We really don't know where that fine money's going. No. I mean it ain't our money, and so then, it don't matter to us, but they need to know. That's just wild. That's I mean, like they said, they made an example. But is that example gonna work? Hell no. Because people still, no. they still going to do it. They still going to do it regardless. You're still going to have hotheads out here doing dumb stuff at the end of the day. They're going to be like, oh, $30,000, that ain't nothing. That's one game for me. I'm yep. cool. Yep. So, who, who did they get into it with? Uh, They got into it with the Sacramento Kings. It was oh, the, the Kings King, and the, the Rockets. The Kings players ain't going to do it no more because California got state tax. Uh, the Rockets players, Mike, mm. Texas ain't got no state tax. They see all they bread. So. Jalen Green gonna say F it. He gonna act up regardless. Because y'all know how he is. That's just his attitude. He's gonna do it. Like, but 
That's why we love him, though. He has that I'm going to do it attitude. But he has a lot of growth to do as a player. He has a lot of growth to do. But some games, bro. I digress on that. I ain't no Rockets fan, and this ain't no Rockets podcast. So the last piece of news we got is, of course, the John Morant dunk. This dunk was featured on the NFL countdown as number one. How does that work? He I was watching it. the NFL countdown yesterday, and I'm like, number two was, I can't even remember what number two was. And then they're like, number one, John Morant. I'm like, John Morant, this is supposed to be the NFL. Why are we talk? You know what? Whatever. Give my man his flowers because he deserves them. I don't hey, care how he gets them. I say it once a week. The best ticket in professional sports in North America is the Memphis Grizzlies. And everybody mm-hmm. knows it. The dude is electric. He he give you the he give you the bravado and the 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 presence of the hip hop feel like Iverson and then he cuddly and friendly. His family's around him like he's some you know cuddly kid family guy. This the mm-hmm. you know is a new father. It's like he combines two worlds. And then when he you go think out of like the- all American talent, you can look at John Moran. You yeah. honestly can. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a good dude on the court. He's a good dude off the court. He's fun to watch. He loves his family. He brings his daughter to almost every home game. It's like he's he's really bringing the family culture into Memphis along with the other players because now you see Tyus and Dylan bringing their babies and their families and all of this stuff. So it's like he's really the all-American sports dude right now. And then he he seen he doing things that we ain't. I gotta say I've, I've never seen anybody do a sideways shift crossover. I don't know what you call it. But he come off a screen, sideways shift cross somebody, do another. We gonna cross. call it that the sideways shift crossover. And and when he lift off, it's like, did you see the? Did you see Jalen Smith looking at him when he was getting dunked on? Have you seen mm-hmm. like he put he the fear like, of God into that? Said, boy. I, it looked like he said, you, you know, the BET moves where they be like, <laughs> you probably wondering how I got here right now. That's yep, yep. Out <laughs> of out of all the players I've ever seen play ball in my life, right? Um, it's only like two or three that give you multiple highlights potentially or guaranteed every night. You got mm-hmm. Jordan. If you count just straight power game, you got Braun, Magic, mm-hmm. Bird, maybe Doc. Yeah, Doc J. Like it's only like five, maybe six cats I've ever seen. He won them. Steve Francis, I want to say, was obviously he, he was never the, the superstar they're talking about in that list. Cause it's exciting, but he wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it ain't really too much we can say. If you don't know what we're talking about, I feel sorry for you. We watching it live. You can even watch it. How many times y'all think y'all watched the replay? By choice or force? <laughs> by, by choice, All maybe together. ten. Oh, okay. uh, by for, just scrolling down my timeline, YouTube, social media, all it probably. No joking, probably like 90, 100 times. <laughs> Same. I'm finna say that. Yeah, probably me. What about you, Nicole? Um, The same, but more of that was more voluntarily than anything else. Because every time I was watching it back, I was looking at the reactions in the background. If you look at our yes. coaches, at least three of our coaches had different reactions, and it was hilarious. Like, this team and coaching staff has the best reactions in the league coming off the bench, like. Yeah. That nobody's reactions can touch ours. All right, so the first topic today is actually about Mr. Danny Green. Uh, if you guys do or don't know, 
Uh, Danny has been out since we acquired him in a trade back on draft night from the Philadelphia 76ers, but he is ramping up playing five on five, which if you're a Grizzly fan, you know typically when that happens, they're about a week or two, maybe three weeks away from actually being on the court, which is a good thing. Um, this team is always taking things slow. Uh, they don't bring players back quicker than what they should to, you know, basically re-injure themselves. And so uh, we'll be probably looking at him right before the All-Star break, which is where he uh, actually said was his goal to be back playing. So uh, basically what I posed to the to the crew today was um, with him coming back, no trades, no roster moves, just as is, can Danny Green be a missing piece Um to the Grizzlies basically competing for a championship. Now, mind you, when I pose this question, I'm not saying that he is going to be, you know, he's going to be a game changer in a way that he's going to have the ball a lot. He's going to be making plays left and right. Uh, my sole point of asking this question was coming from the standpoint of Danny Green being a big-time shot maker, basically being a guy that's going to come in and hit dagger threes, uh, maybe play 15 to 20 minutes a game in the playoff game being a guy that will depend on in late game situations to basically hit shots and just be another um, voice on the court for the coach uh, with him having three championships already. So that's where that question came from. And we'll get into it right here. Let's go. I think um, worse, I start worse first. So worst case scenario, he comes back. Since it was a knee injury, you see it's affected lateral quickness. It's affected his ability to run north and south because we're a running team. So if Ja take off with that ball, he needs somebody to fill the three-point lanes. It ain't the same as the old style where you fill the lane for the layup. You 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 flash out and get the three. Um, if it affects him in that way speed-wise, might be an issue. The, um, the Another part of the worst side, if it takes him – a, a jumper never leaves like the old dude at the wife. He can't do nothing else. He can still gun you out. So if it takes his jumper a little bit longer to come about, that's going to have to come with extra playing time. That's going to take away from somebody who might be on um, or could potentially score in more ways than him. Cause let's be real at this point, Danny Green is not taking nobody to the basket. So mm -mm. on the best case scenario, he uh, has not lost much lateral quickness. He's, a tall guy. He's always been a rather tall defender on the wing. He he was part of that original pop three and D type of thing because they didn't use him in mm -hmm. Cleveland, right? When he was with LeBron, so he's three and D wing out there. If he can come in play three, I mean play D, um, hit the three wide open. And this is the 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 X factor, I think. If he can come in and those plays where the big man flashes to the rim, seals his man. If he's in the corner telling Ja or Tyus or Bang get him the ball, that would that would make a world that would be better than him coming in and hitting trades to me, because that's damn near guaranteed two points, right? So, I just think his not just his acumen, but his ability to um, know situational basketball and know what to do so you don't have to come down to the wire. So, I think that would help a lot. Cole, what you think? Um, I absolutely agree with Dez. Every point that he just said, if if it comes to us playing fast-paced ball, I don't think that's going to be his thing just because of that knee injury. Um, for those who don't know, I played ball from the time I was six until I was 18 when I tore my ACL clean in half. Um, mm. I had to go through the surgery, the rehab, just like everything that he had to do. And it did take away 
my speed on the court going north to south, going coast to coast. Like I couldn't go half as fast as I did before, but if he's playing situational ball, there should not be no reason why he couldn't get some points from the corner, from the paint. I don't expect him to go to the rim, like Dad said, just because that's too much cutting um, on his knees, and that could potentially hurt him again, especially if he's not in that right mental mind state. Because as an mm-hmm. athlete, if your mental isn't right when you're coming off an injury, you're more prone to hurting yourself again. We've seen this time and time again in the NBA and the NFL. So um, if he can come in and just do those things and kind of fit in his own little role, like he kind of has been on his little podcast and, you know, doing the broadcast and stuff. Um, If he can come in and really make a connection with the team in those situational moments and be that dude that we can rely on to hit that, that two from the corner or hit that three from the arc when we need it the most, then I think we'll be okay. My concern Mm -hmm. is where in the hell is he going to fit in these rotations? Because all of these dudes have earned their minutes, even down to David Roddy earn their minutes they have fought they have clawed their way through this roster to earn their minutes so that's my question who are you going to take minutes away from it's going to have to be someone like john conchar i'm convinced y'all can argue with me my ad is at nicole on bill like I ain't gonna that's argue the with only you. person i can see that would get their minutes taken away for someone like danny green is john conchar because he's He's so hot when he's hot, but then when he gets cold, he's just good for nothing because, let's face it, he's not that strong on defense either, if we're being honest. If we're being honest, he's not. He's not the best. So, you – I feel like you take some minutes from John Conchar, throw Danny Green in there with a good rotation and see what we can do as long as it's not a serious, serious game. Something about Roddy and with the rotations with him – if you look at his tape at Colorado State, Roddy created shots for other people. He yeah. was the hub of the offense. So you can see early in the season, and even now still, he kind of uncomfortable just standing. at the th- Like, he want action. Mm-hmm. Do about that action. You know, he walked people to the rim, put them on his hip, even if they taller than them by four or five inches, and just put them in the bucket, basically, you know, without dunking on them. So he, he needs to be out there with – you know, he can create a little bit more too. That's gonna come with time, but mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Uh when it comes to Danny Green minutes and, and rotations, period. Um, I don't okay. This is how I look at it, because he gotta come off the bench, right? Um, so if he's coming off of Zaire, um, you're gonna use him. You probably gonna it's it's hard for me to say how he's gonna run the rotation with Danny Green because you almost have to play him with Ja. So whatever minutes Ja run with bench players, you have to, because he's literally just going to be standing in the corner. Like defenses know this coming in the game. So having him out there with Tyus, look, I like Tyus, uh, but Tyus ain't necessarily making defenses collapse. Okay. They, they right. giving him a lot of them, them, um, them flows. Floaters. So that, the catch with it is maybe you put them out there in that rotation where it's Tyus and Ja, and then have Danny Green in there. So you have another cerebral mind that's a ball handler that can get them to rock. That might be their best rotation to put him out there instead of like running them with a Conchar or a Roddy out there because Danny Green can definitely navigate with those two to pop out to the yeah. right spots. And unlike a Roddy, 
or a Conchar. Danny Green been in the league so long, shooting well enough to where all around that perimeter is his hot spot. So it it helps in that way with with those two. So I think it's gonna be like a an awkward type of lineup where people are like, okay, why is this working? It's because he's out there and he's always gonna find the right spot to run to and spot up. It's it's that type of vision for me because the Conchar thing, man. Look, I <laughs> Conchar is he's a breaking case of emergency player. Um, but another thing about it with Danny Green, Memphis has a, a tendency to bring people back slower, but as they bring them back slower, they've they've already worked them in, so they're ready to go. Like when Jaron came back, he was snap of a finger ready to go. Anybody come back from injury with us, they're ready to go at least defensively. Right. Um, and, and that's the kid. So I I think his his quickness and speed. I don't necessarily, when I think about it, the way we bring people back, he would have probably been ready now, but they're going to run him and get his wind up and get everything ready for him. So when he comes back, it's a more seamless transition. But the, with the rotation, I think you put him out there somewhere where it's it's one of them awkward things where we no longer have to look at the lineup and be like, why are you doing that? He'll fit better. Mm-hmm. The issues the Grizzlies have is in the half court, you got to have a way to manufacture easy buckets. Um, I think the rest of the league fell in love with Golden State, but you got to understand Golden State got two players that make 28 feet shots as layups. Nobody else in history has ever. Yeah, nobody else in history has ever done that. Everybody else gets their easy buckets going towards the rim. (laughs) Like this is just a fact. Um, I, I think in the half court, if teams are going to continuously play Jaron with wings at the rim, that is your easy bucket. If teams are going to continuously switch guards to Steven Adams, those are your easy buckets. Um, that's what it depends to find finding a way to manufacture easy shots in the half court. It's just not jog, get a bucket, go downhill. Cause was, that was a beautiful dunk, but I, he still landed on the ground. And a lot yeah, of other basically. times he landed on the ground, it's not a highlight. It's him with his hands right. up flailing at the ref because he getting fouled a lot, but they're mm-hmm. not going to keep blowing the whistle. The, the game wouldn't have no rhythm to it. So the four hours. For the Grizz, yeah, for the Grizz, <laughs> man, it's, it, it's really boils down to how do you manufacture points in the half court that other teams have to drop their head and say, damn, ain't nothing we can do. And is Danny Green that – if he's hitting that three and that man has to, if a man has to stay with Danny Green and Desmond Bain, mm. <laughs> then and and Adams is gonna screen the way he screens, yeah, you can yeah. you can get a ring off that. If if two defenders can't help and Adams screens the other guy behind and it's just Jai and a 6'10 dude that can't run a cone drill in less than six seconds. I mean, mm. you know, it's yeah, we can get one. Pray for him does as well as long as we incorporate him correctly into the system and figure out who he works best with and kind of run off of that but at the same time I don't need us to be too predictable because there are some teams who actually scout and watch film and then there's some that aren't I ain't gonna say no names I'm not throwing no shade today I'm not being an oak tree I'm not being shady (laughs) so I just feel like Like I said, if they just put him in with the right people and really kind of like try to build this connection up between 
the first few games when he comes back and in practice, I feel like he would be okay. And he may be that piece just because he's been there before. So he might be that dude just to kind of calm him down in the playoffs because last year you've seen him get a little erratic, especially against Golden State. Like they got emotional, they got erratic, and it took him at least a good five, 10 minutes to calm down. And that was on the court. So I feel like Danny Green might be that piece since he does have that championship experience to help in that aspect, to kind of lead him as a vet um, versus anything else. But I do feel like he could be that scoring piece that we need if he's worked in there correctly. Absolutely. He likes the culture. He likes the players. He loves the coaches. I think he may be that person that we need. But it just, like I said, it all depends on how they work him in there. But as far as the veteran attitude, the leadership, championship experience, he has all of the above. And that's what this young team needs because we are under 30. Danny Green is, he could be that dude who really mellow stuff out for the team. So Before we move on, I had to give you at least a little excerpt of what I talked about on here. Didn't want to didn't want to go without giving y'all a little bit of how I felt about Danny Green. Oh, uh, I do believe that Danny Green uh, has championship pedigree. Obviously, he's a, he's a three time champion, but he's not one of those guys that's kind of team hopped, and he was just so happy to be on the team. On all three of those championships, Danny Green played a really really big role, uh, both defensively, both with three point shooting, and just being a veteran presence on those teams. Um, learned how to play. You know, within a system and for a winning coach like Greg Popovich in San Antonio. Um, and then he goes to Toronto Raptors where Nick Nurse, great coaching alongside uh, one of his best friends in Kawhi Leonard, wins a ring there. And then goes to L.A. and wins a ring. Whether it's the bubble or not, he wins, wins a ring with LeBron James. And uh, was a big factor, just, you know, hitting timely shots. Um, and I think with – what he brings to the Grizzlies, obviously he brings a championship pedigree, number one. Uh, but playing with some of the greats that he has, he can kind of instill some of the things that he saw on the floor in these late-game situations to a Ja, to a Jaron, to a Desmond Bain, to a Dylan Brooks, and uh, just be another veteran presence that they need because they don't have many. I mean, Steven Adams outside of Danny Green is probably the oldest player that we have. So having him is going to be valuable uh, to this team. And – he did talk about on his podcast um, just the fact that they did allow him to stay on the team past the uh, guaranteed contract date, as well as they've been, uh, you know, step by step a part of his recovery that he believes that, you know, they wouldn't just trade him. Uh, but he does understand that it's a business and either way he's unscathed. So uh, just a great guy to have, you know, in the locker room, uh, professional and um, I believe if he's on this team past the trade deadline and he's healthy, hoping that he can get back um, to at least a, a you know a, a big shot maker. Um, I, I believe that him being on this team is going to be a much more positive than it is having him off of the team. So uh, that's my take on that. Now let's get back to the next topic, which is we talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. All right, so on this next topic, basically we were talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. and what it's going to take to unlock him. The uh, reason why I asked that was because Dez is a big, big advocate of getting Jaron the ball in the post. Uh, he's been that since the beginning of the season. And so has always some good takes and points of view in that regard. So I want to definitely get his opinion and the coach's opinion on that as well. And so that's what the topic is here. 
just saying, what can the Grizzlies do to finally unlock Jaron Jackson Jr. to take them to the next level? Now, before I pass it over to uh, my co-host, uh, just want to say this, man. I don't know what it's going to take, but Jaron definitely needs to be getting the ball more. Um, he definitely needs to be getting fed in the post, especially when he's sealing his man, uh, when he has the mismatch, which pretty much almost every night he has a mismatch on his defender, unless he's going up with, you know, Anthony Davis or Giannis onto the Kumbo, uh, or like tonight, a DeAndre Aiden size-wise. But he has shown that he can go at these guys offensively in the post especially this year. So uh, just hoping that John Morant, Tyus Jones, Taylor Jenkins, hell, Robert Perra, <laughs> Zach Kleiman, that we can all get on one page and say, hey, Jaron is the X factor. Our half-court half offense, which Dez makes a good point, it's not been great this year. It, it just makes the most sense to get a player in the post that's been efficient this year, get him more touches. Uh, I'm of the mindset that Jaron needs to have at least 15, 16 or more shots a game which is going to probably put him either second or third behind Ja um, and shot attempts per game or Desmond Bain, just depending on how many shots he gets up that night. But it should be in that order, second or third, and maybe even some nice first if he has it going or has just the, the mismatch that makes the most sense. Um, Dylan Brooks should not be number two in shots taken uh, or attempted per game. That just should not happen any night when you have Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor as a mismatch. So, uh, I'll leave that for another day. I, I told y'all last episode, I'm trying to keep my Dylan Brooks takes to a minimum. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just hoping they can figure it out. So, as you can hear from my co host they're going to go ahead and get into that a little bit more. And uh, tell us what y'all think, what needs to be done. Because at some point I do pose the question to Nicole and to Dez, if we know what the issue is, and I'm not even talking about us on the podcast, if the organization, the coaches and the players know, why are we not doing it? So I did pose that question to them after we kind of figured out what their thoughts were on the situation. And, uh, yeah, let us know what needs to be done for Jaron to basically get unlocked and be the X factor that we know he can be and needs to be for us to win a championship this year. I think, okay, with Taylor Jenkins, he's a system guy, right? And that's why we win mm-hmm. so many games with star players out. Um, the issue with that is, as a system guy, it's hard to break from that functionally when it works so well for you but people get paid millions of dollars in this league to break you from that to make you adjust um when you look at our kryptonite our number one kryptonite is man with zone principles that's what we don't do well against at all that's when the offense stalls completely and you see one of the guards backing up you know five feet from the three-point line to get ahead of steam to attack whoever guarding them uh when it get to that point you have to pay attention to who's flashing in the middle of that zone. And um, Brandon Clark, you know, love his effort. Um, good guy in certain ways. Um, does a great job. But in the middle of that zone, he's not a threat. Because if he turns and faces, he's only a threat to put the ball on the floor, one dribble, do that spin, and try to finish. That's it. Right. Right. When Santi has the ball in the middle of that zone, it's action time. He's gonna yeah. do something. We saw him yeah. do. We saw a six eleven seven footer do a up and under layup over two outstretched defenders. <laughs> that ain't normal. Um, when Jaron catches that ball, the defense's eyes get very big because it's just one person back there trying to stop him, and he's probably their size, 
longer than them, like he did Mo Bamba when we played the Magic. He's longer or stronger or both, faster, right. has shooting touch. He's ambidextrous around the rim, either arm. So it's like those two are by default. When Adams is in the game, screens, I mean, the zone principles don't really work against us anyway because he just sets a screen anyway. And then you're really vulnerable because you can't even collapse properly defensively. So he's an automatic zone buster to me if the screen is, is you know, if it's utilized correctly. But those three, putting the, the putting Clark in the middle of the zone, which is normally when teams zone us, is when he's in the game. And that's when they're able to do whatever they do. Uh, another thing, another way to utilize Jaron outside of that, when they just playing straight up man, I say it all the time. It's only one four in the league that's his size. That's Giannis. There's nobody else in the league his size that matches him tip for tat physically or is who's superior physically. And when you out hey, man, there, you I, got rich. I, I saw you just throw some shade to Anthony Davis, but I feel it because he's three. I, well, I'm not considering Anthony Davis simply because the Lakers, <laughs> to my knowledge, have not played him and Thomas Bryant at the same time. So he's the center. LeBron's mm. the, the four. So, you know, of course, Anthony Davis can hold Jaron. You I, you don't throw it to him in the post if Anthony Davis is out there. Don't do it because <laughs> yeah. he's not advanced enough. But for for most matchups every night on how teams run their lineups and, and, and their rotations, isn't like, for instance, playing the Mavericks. The Mavericks should be no problem scoring against the half court because Christian Wood is too small physically. Yeah. Dude, don't even weigh 230. So they hold every time they play us, they hold Jaron Jackson Jr. with Reggie Bullock. There should be no reason we don't come down court and get two points every possession if Reggie Bullock is holding Jaron Jackson. I don't ever want to see him standing in any three point corner if Reggie Bullock is going to hold him. Jai, you stand mm-hmm. at the top, you just throw the ball. And if they have to, and if three people are helping collapse, so you don't throw their post pass, somebody could get, get your floater or get a dunk because they had three, they right. don't have to send three people. And it's it's um, you know, even playing Denver, Yoke is not gonna hold him. And if he do, give him the ball at the elbow and let him let him go in triple threat. Yoke ain't keeping up with Jaron yeah. Jackson Jr. Yoke ain't keeping up with other with Adams speed wise. So it's, it's so many ways we can do what we do and utilize Jaron, but it all starts in the paint. Mm-hmm. And as as like Kobe Bryant said, AAU kind of killed fundamental ball in America because yep. they have no idea what to do with the post player sometimes. As, as Jai's IQ is through the roof, Tyus IQ, Ty's IQ through the roof, and he won a national championship with a post player. So I have trouble understanding that sometimes, but he proved, you know, he he begs me back off that because he'll throw the ball when they got him sealed. So I get right. that. But with Ja, with Ja and Bain, these are two people that's used to having the ball in their hand. It used to being go-to scores, and it just looks so foreign to them. So they need some type of Rosetta Stone to translate, get big dude ball, <laughs> he finish two points. You're not on the ground uh, because I got I got that saying upright jaw. The more Jaron scores mm-hmm. in the paint, the healthier Ja Morani is. That's the equation, plain and yeah. simple. So that's my take on it. Give Jaron Jackson Jr. the damn ball. Set him up for success. It's not that hard. It's not. 
You have people out here trying to play hero ball. That's the problem to me personally. Everybody's trying to get their own scores up. Everybody's trying to do this and do that. I know Des. I love Desmond Bain. I love Desmond Bain. He does man? not pass that ball to to save his life. You know who passes the ball to Jaren more than anybody? Dylan Brooks. True. Dylan Brooks. Dylan damn Brooks. Yeah, I use my one cuss word for you, Dylan. I'm on the island. Look, they got to get that man the ball. I don't know what it is. I can't pinpoint what it is. For me, I feel like everyone's trying to be the hero when they just need to fall into the system. And if you can't get that shot off, you know you're in a bad look. You know you don't have a good look for that shot. You know you don't have time to get it. You see Jaron right there in the post next to the rim with two dudes who are 6'2 on him. Get him the damn ball. It is not that hard. Like, what is so hard to comprehend about that? Jaron Jackson Jr. is a nightly mismatch for any team. Any mm -hmm. team in the league, he's a mismatch. I don't give a damn who you are. So why not get him the ball? Why is Ja out here trying to fly almost every other play? Why is Desmond out here trying to do a pull-up three knowing he's going to take that extra dribble and miss? Why? <laughs> now, Steven Adams, I love Steven Adams, so Steven Adams ain't going to get no critique from me because he busts his butt for this team every night to ensure that people can try to get these shots. He's out here setting screens. He's playing in the post. He's playing in the paint. He's been the one going to the rim. So mm -hmm. Steven Adams ain't getting no flag from me. It's the others. They have to figure out how to get Jaron the ball and incorporate him in this offense to where he will be successful because he is that nightly mismatch. And I feel like if we take advantage of that, he scores at least 10 to 15 points a night, if not more. We are unbeatable. You cannot be a mentally and physically healthy Jaron Jackson Jr. You just can't. And that's the end of my rant. To, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's familiarity. Uh, your two best scorers on the team, most efficiently, Ja and Bank, they don't have familiarity with post game. They're young, like they didn't. They don't know nothing about feeding no post player. They they ain't, it, it that used to be the standard of the league. Um, yep. Even going into the early two thousands, mid two thousands, all the way up into Duncan's lad, uh, Duncan and Weber's them, and and Garnett them last contending years, which was around two thousand ten. When all those people stopped contending, except for Duncan, it kept going. But that's because yeah. you know the Spurs filled it out. But I mean, they they not used to that. They not they ain't used to seeing um Hakeem on NBC with a double header with Patrick. Young. That ain't what they grew up watching, man. And that ain't what they grew up playing at AAU right. playing six games in one day. They wouldn't feed no post. They was out there running and gunning right. like the old arcade game. Like that's how they function. You know what right. I'm saying? So it's 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 gonna take. It's gonna take familiarity more than anything. Is and it's gonna because familiarity breeds comfortability. So once they get familiar with it, it'll come more natural to them. That and because you got to remember, them throwing the ball in there is going against their natural instincts that they've built up playing ball for years. It's just not, and, and he's not. It's not like they're on a team with Jokic or Embiid where you you ain't gonna get no check if you don't do it. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like. Uh -huh. They on it. Well, you, you got to think about it now. Everybody that plays on Denver, they can throw a post entry pass pretty well. If if you play with the Philadelphia's look, James Harden learned to throw the ball in the post, so anybody can do it. Mr. Yeah. Dribble Machine, you don't yeah. have a choice. Um, and I and I think part of it, a small part of it, the onus is on Jerry because you got to cuss people mm -hmm. out sometimes at work. 
<laughs> like I've cooked people out at work. Everybody has. If you Jerry if you just need to look at them and tell them, give me the damn ball. If yeah, you see just, me in the post, give me the damn ball. You, you clap give for it here. It. I got you know, it. Uh when Anthony Davis was going on his run before he got injured this last time, he was like he had the hand up. He was clapping for it. He like, okay, you want me to take over the team? I'm taking over. What was it? 55 and 20? Crazy. <laughs> it crazy stats. So mm-hmm. it's, you got to call for it when you feel that small person on you. Don't just flash and hold it. Like, hey, mother, like, put that, <laughs> Seriously. Put that action in. You know what I'm saying? And because if he get it, if, if he would have, like, punished, like the next time we play the Mavericks, I know we played them three times straight in, like, less than two weeks or whatever the next time we play them. But next time oh, we play man. them, I just want him to literally get Bullock or Tim Hardaway Jr. them on his back and say, "Give me the mother about turn around and dunk on whoever." Bully ball him because we seen a dunk on him. Yeah, just you know, do that and 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 put that work in that way. And after he do that four or five plays in one half, hopefully the first half, you are gonna see Ja get space he's never seen before. And that that's what I think the next phase of the Grizzlies offense is is off ball Morant. That's what I call yeah. it. Like, that's the next fact. But off ball Morant is dependent upon in the paint Jaron. And then yeah. you'll you'll see you will be seeing a lot more blind pigs action, you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot more different types of action that just is is simple ways to score buckets, you know. Um, and I ain't seen us do blind pig action since we played the Nets, I wanna say. Mm-hmm. The in, in Memphis. <laughs> like yeah, I saw yeah. that. It's, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a it's, minute. It's uh, it'll be there. I'll stay on this one until you do it. I love you so much, man. I love what you did for this city. We all do, and I love what you're doing for Money Bad Yo. But I need you to tap in with Jaron Jackson Jr. Offseason at some point. I remember. KG, he came down to Memphis with Jaren his rookie year. And I love KG, but Jane, to me, a KG type game it was a more spot up, you know, mid I mean, yeah, he had post moves, but him and Dirk was the was the king at the fourth spot. I've ever seen Jaren shoot a mid range shot. And because he shoots so flat footed, he don't get too much elevation off the ground. It's a push saying that he's too close to the basket. If you ever got one, price. but Zebo for him to get and just literally teach him the the footwork, the the fakes, the up everything that he uses, not being able to jump over a phone book. If you let into Jaren and somehow some 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 kind of way can't, but just inject a little of that energy that you had. That bad, it's inject a little bit more of that into him. That's the person that there if he can in the offseason. Season with see Jaren even take more, more of a lead. What he could be taking this year, they just not giving him the ball. And other just with Ja, you know, you calling yourself or his call said in a while, but call yourself coming in point guard. And that first year, I said on here before, he definitely showed the point guard. I feel like more, and it, I think it's now we may not look at it the same because he's scoring so much more than what he was here. He still showed that he's. Know, close to 10 assists of more a game, but I hear you with the thing. But it's like, oh, if you're watching film, you say you're watching. I say the same thing about Dylan Brooks. If you're watching film, the, the way that you say you're watching on that little iPad, they get 
you got to see yourself throwing them crazy shots. I got to get my one dinner tape for the uh, come through. That's it. Um, back to job. Or watching in film as much I swear as you, you say, be doing you know, that to be messy. I do. Messy. I have to. It's no bluff, and I got to keep it real. It's something. Uh, but that's it. I ain't gonna go that back. Uh, but with John, that like, bro, we all see it. So I know you make yourself just old post entry pass. You get Trayvon this and make a shirt, a hoodie, or something. Put it on a post the next game you go to. Get from um, please, and just uh, with the dot dot and say post entry pass. If you, you put can it get on the shirt, I'll buy one. Get one. Let's get the same section. That's all getting the same. I'm with it. Same section. I'm, I'm with it. You know, that's what I scream every time, man, in the spaces, man. I'm I look the dunk, I love it. But man, when he throw a post entry pass, man, I get so excited, man. That's look, y'all need me to make poster boards. I'm a real crafty girl, okay? I got the glitter, the paint markers. You I know got how I, poster board, everything. The next level he gonna reach with the passing is when he can throw a bounce post entry pass. You know the sideways joint where the he defense can. is giving the straight. You can't. I know he Just can, but it's, he it's, can. It's he chooses happen. not to, and that's his problem. It's not instinctive for him, though. And at the end of the day, he has to defeat his own instincts. And, and that's not what comes natural. Uh, he's a pass-first point guard, right? But mm-hmm. pass-first point guard didn't get him the Jawans either. <laughs> like, true. let's be real. You know what I'm saying? It's like the guy, he can still do impossible things. I'm going to tell you something. And, and this is how I view it, what might be taking Ja so long. It was a game. I forgot who we were playing. But Santi drove too far under the basket, just jumped in the air and randomly threw the ball out. And Ja caught it mm. and just shot it at the same time. And somebody, like, hit the back of his knee and his back at the same time, and he banked it perfectly. Yeah. Mm. That's the type of player. Like, he the type of player, what they say, when you play with skills, good luck will happen. He playing with skills and monster ability and physical talent. Good, It's past good luck now, y'all. It's... <laughs> It's astronomical, yeah. you know. We talking face of the league type of guy. So for him to go, yeah, for him to go against his instinct, it's gotta really bother him. You know, like it's 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 gotta bother him to go against that. Because in his mind, he like, nah, let's just kick it around the perimeter so I get this screen set again. <laughs> you know, that's yep, tougher. What's going? On. Yeah, you get the screen. Okay, you, know. you do. The, you go to the rim. If you know, if it's it, a if it costs play, him in the playoffs. He'll he'll adjust if it if it like people if that's the re, if that's the reason we don't get a ring because of half court offense he'll sit mm. down and sulk and he'll be like you know what I need to do like we saw Jordan pumping that iron when we saw LeBron out there score that eight points against who was that the, the Mavericks with that zone D in the finals yeah he yeah. got to go home and and look within yourself like hey man like. <laughs> I need to do something. You know, they was out there holding Braun. Well, who was it? Jose Calderon? No, no, um, JJ Barea in the post. So, you know, it, it happens. People have to people have to suffer sometimes. So hopefully it doesn't come to that. But um, sometimes the obvious has to smack you in the face, you know. All right. So last but not least, on this last topic, basically want to do something a little different, a little bit more fun, I guess. Just a little brain exercise for y'all. So, with the crazy dunk that John Moran had against the Indiana Pacers, that if you haven't seen it by now, just go on Twitter and type in John Moran's name. You'll probably pop it right up when you do that. Uh, 
but it just kind of had me thinking or but it had us thinking you know uh placing jai if you had to place him in the top five of dunkers all time which some people would say he don't deserve to be there or it's a little bit too early we'll see what happens you know by the end of his, by the end of his career um basically wanted to just pose the question of if you had to put him in the top five where would you rank him and why and who is the top five who do you have in your top five so um since my portion got cut out uh, i'll just let y'all know who i had uh blake griffin was number five for me john Morant was four just for the simple fact that um these other guys that i put in front of him it's hard to go against them at this point right now but uh, at the end of his career it very well could be ja you know competing for number two or number one uh but we have blake griffin at number five john Morant at number four number three we have dominique wilkins number two we got vince carter and number one for me was sean kemp the legend uh just couldn't argue against him man sean kemp had some crazy dumps and some crazy hops so uh, go ahead and pass it over to Nicole, and then after her, um, you'll get uh, you'll get Dez's top five. So here we go. All right, so my list is pretty self-explanatory. So I'm gonna go five through one. So y'all can't judge me either, because this is just what I've seen in my little lifetime. Okay, I'm only 29. <laughs> I'm not like 42. So <laughs> you silly. All right. So at five, um, I got Tracy McGrady. Always been a big fan of Tracy McGrady. His poster dunks, they live in my soul, bruh. Um, he's athletic. He was freakishly athletic. I feel like his career kind of ended a little bit too short for me. I wanted to see him go just a little bit longer, but I understand. Mm -hmm. So Tracy McGrady is my five. Four, I got Ja. Self-explanatory. I, I don't need – I look, I ain't even got to explain it. Self-explanatory. Uh, three, I got Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, when he dunked over those three Nets defenders, it was a wrap for me. That man had my heart. Um, Michael Jordan <laughs> is number two. Self-explanatory. Again, I shouldn't have to explain that. And then number one, Vince Carter. Self-explanatory once again. If you watch Vince Carter, you know. And that's my five. Um, Okay. I got uh at five because when when you first told me the question I honestly I didn't have Ja in there but if I gotta put him in there he five um he four really? years in dunking on people yeah he five he he five okay. years in dunking on people uh everybody I'm a name got way more dunking on people highlights than the Ja so for like countless more but uh I got Ja um he'll probably realistically because of his height. He'll probably be number one if he can keep this up for four more years. Um, because okay. it's just it looked crazy when he do it. It's like when Baron Davis punched on Karolinko baseline. It, it right. looks, but he's way smaller than than Baron, you know, physically. Uh, so I got Jaffa right. just because he always looking to punish somebody, and he he has social media to talk mess on after he do it too. Yeah, um, that's true. Number four for me. I would have to go um I go Dominique. I go to human highlight reel. Um Dominique Wilkins dunked on more people with two hands from the <laughs> coming from the perimeter than anything you could dream of. And he made people fall on a regular basis. Um number whew, this is this is tough. I had to put John there. 
Um, I'm gonna say number three for me is um give me Sean Kemp, man. Sean, Sean Kemp dunked on. I don't know who that was from the Warriors, but when he that was my on number six, is when he, he pointed on that, when he pointed at that man, that was vicious. Like that was, I say that man <laughs> dunking on Rob. I Sean Kemp dunked, Rain Man dunked on anybody caught the lob from anywhere, and it was always powerful cock back. Yeah. Um, that's three. Uh, number two, number two, I gotta, I gotta go VC. I gotta go Vince Carter. Um, as far as how memorable they were, he number one. Uh, when he dunked on Alonzo Morning and paused in midair, that was it. That that I, slam dunk contest that he did in two thousand, when he yeah. busted out with that first reverse three hundred and sixty, told me everything I needed to know about Vince Carter. I, I just I wouldn't I ain't include no dunk contest in this though. Just let's keep the in my decision making process. I'm only doing in game. He the only person I ever seen pause in the air after contact, mm-hmm. and then finish the dunk with force while still ascending. I don't think I've ever seen that before in my life. Uh, when his rookie year, he went baseline against the Pacers. This man mm-hmm. did a reverse dunk, and I just I think it was Chris Mullen looking at him like, what the. F- what the hell is this? Um, and number one, uh, I got to give it to the guy that has been dunking on people for 20 years now. I got to give it to Braun. He got 20 years of dunking on everybody. He's jumped over people's head in the game. He mm-hmm. has. BC has. has too. But he jumped over people's head in the game, didn't even graze the man. <laughs> um dunked on every single center I think he's ever I can't say ever played against because a lot of people didn't jump like KG didn't yeah. jump when he dunked on KG KG tried to push him out the air um yeah he bodied Jason Terry in such a way where oh my god it's just, it's horrible yeah <laughs> Bron got he got he got 20 years of punishing every single rim and every single arena and he's the only person like when jordan dunked on people they challenged every time kobe dunked yeah. on people they challenged every time people get the hell out the way when they see braun a lot of the times and for me that's the ultimate yeah. tell like when people would just move out the way of Shaq, like ah right, you got it right like, I, it not many people even tim duncan he just held his hand straight up when braun came that's down it. the line he didn't yeah, people didn't challenge Braun, so I gotta say he's probably the most intimidating one because people just didn't try to block it a lot. They just didn't try. Yeah, man. Any last word, Dez, Nicole, before we get out of here? Uh, I want to say if you do follow me, my non-basketball takes are off the meat rack. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm something else. Uh, but nah, um, you know the, it's a long season. We just hit the midway point. Um, you know, uh, these guys are all young, man. A lot of these guys, you know, 15 years ago couldn't have rented a car right now. You had to be 25. They couldn't do it. So keep that in mind. Um, yeah, their brain ain't even fully developed. They're not 25. Like, keep that in mind. And, yes, Dylan is over 25, but he's Dylan. So keep that in mind. Um, I, I think, honestly, this team is, is going to go as far as easy buckets in the half court and uh, being on a string defensively. And not depending on Dylan and Jaron to shut their man down every night. So that's that's the basis.
Um, for me, I would just like to throw out there that uh, all-star vote. Vote for your Grizzlies, yes. man. I've been yes. voting to start in five every day. Uh, some days count two times. Today, Monday, the 16th, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Happy birthday, MLK Jr. Uh, counts three times for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So do your due diligence and vote because some of our dudes actually deserve to be there more than others that are on that list with millions of votes. I'm not going to say any names, but I will All these three. get off of there and Wiggins get off of there. Uh, who else on there? that don't need to be on there. Half of them that's on there don't need to be on there. So they yeah, y'all down the app. Yeah. Get them out of there. I'm sick of these folks. Like, yeah, it shouldn't even, whose name shouldn't even be on the list to vote for. Like if you are not a starter or not even be accessible to click on yeah 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 that yeah go ahead vote for your grizzlies and, and if vote. you don't have nobody in the east vote for tyrese maxi because we love tyrese maxi thank you the all-star game is it's a i don't think fans should be allowed to vote but that's a different podcast i don't think they should be allowed to vote i agree with you bro yeah. i agree with Dez. look at golden state yeah get you them know, out if, of here, if i say something if I say something simple about the game, like you got a face guard, Steven Adams, to keep him from getting a rebound, and you don't know what the hell that is, you think that's him having the ball in his hand, you shouldn't you shouldn't be allowed to vote on it. It's, you just like the colors of the jerseys, and you <coughs> near the zip code. You're near the area code that, that you dial a number in the team now. Oh, like I that's... like Steph Curry, number 32. Yeah. When he's not even yeah. 32, he's 30. All right, as always, before we get out of here, you know, I'm known to go ahead and forget the predictions on accident, but we do go over predictions. Uh, so here they are. 4-0 for me. Okay. 4-0 for me, too, if they keeping this same energy. And last but not least, myself, um, just predicting the Grizzlies to go 3-1, man. I'm a little worried uh, about that Cavs game. Um, I do believe that we handle business against the Suns twice this week, as well as the Lakers. They're just not playing that well. And uh, I feel like the guys always go out to L.A. and turn up a little bit. So uh, I'm a little worried about the Cavs game because they are basically the Grizzlies of the East. And it is kind of questionable that Darius Garland may or may not be playing, I'm sure. But um, still got a, a really good team over there with the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I'm going to go on a limb and say 3-1. Uh, both Nicole and Diggs both said 4-0. So, Luke, we got your back, bro. <laughs> but – uh. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, just want to say thank you. A big shout out to Dez for hopping on with us today. It was a great episode. The energy was great. Um, had some really great takes and great, great conversations. So you always got a seat at our table, man. We appreciate you stepping in for Luke today, being our sixth man. And um, yeah, man, if, if you listen to this by the end of this podcast, go ahead and give us all a follow on Twitter. Um, Dez's um, Twitter handle will be in the description as well. Give him a follow. Always has great takes. It's like I said, and uh, yeah, man, we're gonna get this sound thing together. I don't know what's going on, uh, could be a, a network issue, I'm not sure, but we're gonna get this figured out. But nonetheless, we appreciate you uh, pushing through it for us and with us. And uh, as always, we'll y'all have a good week, we'll catch you next week, and go Grizz. <laughs>